Let's Be Frank. I'm Frank, and frankly, I am quite excited to be here. One year ago-ish, this podcast was born. Only eight days after the insurrection at the Capitol, I sat down with longtime friend Mitch Lerner to discuss what happened. Looking back, it's... um. An incredibly strange time to have launched a podcast, uh, but I'm so glad that we did it. A few months ago, I reached out to Mitch to see if he would be willing to come back and talk. I told him that I wanted to make it an annual tradition. January 6th was a day that I don't want to fade into the shadows. In many ways, the shadows cast on that day still loom large over our politics and the national mood to this day. There's also an effort to normalize what happened that day. For example, a few days ago, House Republicans called what happened that day, quote, legitimate political discourse, end quote. When we recorded that first episode, I said in my intro, quote, I want this podcast to serve as a time capsule of sorts. How I felt when things were happening in real time, end quote. As a part of this episode, Mitch and I went back and re-listened to that first episode. For this episode, as you'll hear in a few short moments, we wanted to compare where we were then and where we are now. Today's episode will also be a time capsule of sorts. We talk about Biden's first year in office and the ongoing work of the House investigation. But there are some things that were true then that are still true now. A year ago, I wrote this into the intro. Quote, you may have found yourself drained this week. I know I have been. I have felt angry, embarrassed, disturbed, disgusted, and heartbroken. I have found it hard to focus, hard to think clearly. So I decided to seek out inspiration. I googled inspiring quotes, and after reading through a collection of quotes, some that felt like platitudes, some that were generic, and quite a few attributed to Marilyn Monroe, of all people, I found a quote that really resonated with me. It's from Eli Wiesel, a Holocaust survivor and writer of the books, uh, writer of books like Night, which chronicles his harrowing experience in Auschwitz and Buchenwald. Anyway, the quote goes like this. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. The opposite of art is not ugliness, it's indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy, it's indifference. And the opposite of life is not death, it's indifference. In the face of such horrifying news at such an unrelenting pace, it's easy for me to lose hope, to wonder whether anything can truly be done to make things better. To feel scared and small. To lose the belief in systems and in humanity at large. In short, to feel indifferent. As if the problems in the world are so large, so frightening, so ingrained, that it forces you to wonder, what is the point? Is it worth it to even try? Wiesel's quote is so powerful to me because it is a reminder that that it is exactly that sort of indifference that leads good people to limit themselves. Indifference is the potting soil for cynicism, ignorance, and laziness. At least, that's what I think. And then I started to wonder, well, why is it important to try? What is there to gain by caring when there's so much wrong in the world? And if indifference is the opposite of love, art, faith, and life then what is the opposite of indifference? 
End quote. Those questions still resonate with me, and today we will be exploring all of that and more with my friend, Mitch Lerner. Welcome to the opposite of indifference to legitimate political discourse. One of my best friends in the entire world, an actor, a comedian, uh, you have probably seen him recently off Broadway uh, in New York. Um, please welcome the amazing, the inimitable, the marvelous Miss Maisel herself, Mitch Lerner. I'm just going to riff and see what happens here. I, I think if I don't prepare anything and just go off the top of my head, I'll have a Netflix special real soon. I think that's what the, the that's what that show taught me. And, um, you know, it helps that I'm cute and Jewish. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. And Tony hey, Shalhoub is your dad. And Tony Shalhoub is my dad. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, yeah. that, that's a big help. That uh, also helps. Yeah. It doesn't hurt being friends with Lenny Bruce either. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. 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 Before the whole thing. Sure. <laughs> I've never seen an episode of Miss Maisel, actually. I watched the first season. Yeah? Uh, yeah. And uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, great. It was A lot like, of hats in that show. A lot of hats. The hats are unparalleled in that show. I want to be on that show sure. just to be able to wear one of those hats. Just to get a hat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for... I I will send you a hat as thanks for coming back for another one of these uh, episodes. I'm gonna hold uh, you to that, man. <laughs> uh, well, you know where to find me. Um, uh, you came onto the podcast this time last year, um, three days after uh, uh, the insurrection at the Capitol, um, and now we're here uh, a year later and. Man, you know, um, boy, how things have changed. You know, it's just gotten so much better, and I feel like it's all behind us now, and and yeah. everything's okay now, right? I mean, the fact that everyone is finally um, uh, <laughs> has a firm social safety net right. under them, uh, right. and nobody uh, believes any false things on the internet. Uh, right. And, you know, we can all get the proper health care we need whenever we want. Also, not scared of a pandemic outside anymore. That was crazy. Yeah, um, that was crazy. Yeah, I'm so glad that uh, that that is behind us. Um, you know, um, the relatively mild <laughs> uh, variant of COVID is now behind us. And, uh, you know. Oh, um, right. Oh, yeah. Omicron. I forgot about that. No, no. <laughs> my bad. Sorry. Hang on. Stuff's still totally fucked. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of funny isn't the word, but it was. I don't know, remarkable going back and listening to last year's episode, which, you know, we should get into. But one of the quotes that stood out to me that I that I say in the intro to that episode, I said, last Friday was the worst day of the coronavirus pandemic. And I was like, uh, <laughs> like that could be that could be true now, too. Like uh, funny how things stay evergreen. Yeah, I think um, actually, you're right about about like where we're looking at this crest, at least in New York, like we're on the other side, which means the rest of the country is going to be like, you know, a couple weeks behind or, or right. whatever it is. Um, but you do have to look at like the fact that deaths and hospitalizations aren't yes. nearly as high relative Correct. to the case number. So like it is a different beast, but at the same time, you know, it's like, 
we're all just comfortable being like, oh, oh yeah, no, there's only like a, a, a light <laughs> zombies out there. They're like zombie moths, and you get it uh, a little bit, but it's very tolerable. It's it's really amazing. Um, it's really amazing the uh, amount of perspective we've had to like. One of the things you said last year, I think you said was like. Um, developing antibodies for like things as they get exponentially insane. Um, and, uh, the antibodies that we have now, you know, not to, not to, um, make an, uh, unintentional allusion to the pandemic itself, but the antibodies we have now to like where we are with the pandemic now versus last year is like, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, if anything, it says something about our species, which is we are incredibly resilient as a species to adapting to absolutely insane circumstances, you know, oh. that we, we live our, we, you know, we get the groceries, we do, we get the mail, you know, and all the while uh, there's, there's a light zombie invasion happening, you know, oh, for sure, for sure. And it, um, and also this goes against, I'm so mad at everyone who's screaming, like, don't normalize Trump. Don't normalize Trump. Because sure. it turns out life is so much easier if you just normalize what's around you all the time. <laughs> if, you, if you're just like, oh, no, this is normal now, then you can go about your day. But if you actually look things in the eye and see them, then everything is panic because what a fucking mess. And like, how <laughs> how am I going to give a shit about like uh paying my credit card bill when you know between right. uh global warming and the pandemic and 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 you know whatever happens with trump and the and the republicans taking the senate and house next year and all this sure. stuff where it's just like um and and a million other things i could keep saying but let's keep it light you know keep it fresh keep it we fresh, got we got light. squid game baby oh, we got yeah. crypto you know we're we're good dude i am so excited to be so distracted forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, uh, uh, we're here, we're here to do, so I, I reached out to you because I wanted to make this sort of an annual event. And I think part of it is, um, I guess not wanting to let it, um, one of the things I said in the original episode was that I felt that it was important to like have a time capsule for how we felt at the time. And I actually was going back and listening to it. I was actually really happy that we recorded that episode. Not that, you know, we got our potties. I'm not trying to, to <laughs> brag about all the awards that we won for that episode. No, but seriously, like, like I was really glad that we recorded that because it, it did help me remember where we were a year ago and it's what has shifted since then. And then what hasn't, you know, as we were just talking uh, about, it's also um, uh, remarkable that that was the first episode of this show. Um, I don't, it's sort of, strange that i decided to launch a podcast uh after um the insurrection at the capitol but you know it's um uh it is what it is you know we choose uh, you know we're not we don't choose the time at which we 
you know what I'm trying to say. You know, the time, the time chooses us. You yeah, know? man. I yeah. mean, it's a flat circle and right. sometimes you just jump into the middle of it, spin it around, hold on to the edge and, and see what number of the clock you hold on to. And hopefully it's like a six, a really sturdy number. You know, <laughs> sevens are very loose, man. Eleven would be no really chance. good. Oh, three, three would be nice. an eight. Get in there like a teacup at Disney World. <laughs> the eights too. The eights are even better. The what, threes what find number, a false sense of security. What number was Hugo in? In the movie Hugo. I never saw the movie Hugo, but I feel like he hung out in a clock, right? Oh yeah, yeah. There was definitely a scene where he was falling off of a clock. Um yeah. I think he, was man, it a three? I feel like it was one of the round numbers. It was definitely three, six, or nine. Yeah. And and it he was probably fucking around with that minute hand too. I feel it because that's that's where the tension comes in, right? Because then the minute hand's moving, you know, and you're kind of lowering and it's oh like right. I'm slipping as it goes down. And- For all you screenwriters out there, you can literally have a ticking clock in your story. <laughs> it's pretty good. um well speaking of a ticking clock um we have uh uh you know um a ticking clock on our democracy uh i don't don't know i'm doing terrible with these segues tonight i'm so i'm so sorry hey this is this is the worst episode of the podcast this is terrible um i hope you're not apologizing uh, to me frank because i'm never gonna listen to this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't worry nobody else will either so it's it's fine it does um, it does speak to how a crisis can focus you uh yes because yeah, yeah, that's we're, true we're just in like a like a a, a a simmer or a light boil of of badness right now yes. there's not like one thing to be able to point to and be like that's the cause well, that's so that's one of the things that was sort of interesting to me going back and re-listening to it. And I want to hear what you think about it. But one of the things that was said, and I wrote it down. Let me look here for it. Oh, uh, there was this quote that I think you said, and we kind of talked about for a while, of this sense of everything being on fire, right? And that was, and I remember that feeling. And I want to hear from you if you think that's still true now um and then i can talk about how i feel about that but what what is your sense is everything still on fire right now you were just saying that it, it, we're at a light simmer do you think that that's generally where we're at or is it more of a roaring boil yeah i think there's a lot of embers and if you put any fresh paper on it they'll probably catch on fire um but if you're wearing the proper footwear you can get through and have a day um the it's 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 not it's not it's really hard to tell whether or not like things are actively horrible or we're just more used to it and i hate to bring him up so early or really at all ever but like the absence of trump candy man oh yeah oh don't say that two more times (laughs) oh shit (laughs) Um, the absence of, uh, of Trump um, pointing out and saying the, the soft part loud all the time is like, it leads to some questioning of like, well, 
is this thing broken without a giant inflatable head screaming, it's broken, it's broken, it's broken? Because but stuff materially is not much better in the country, but it's hard to point to one guy or one thing or even one party and be like, well, obviously it's because of this. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it is, um, I guess my sense of it is listening to it. I was reminded of how, um, particularly at that time, right. January 9th, 2021, the, I mean, especially what we know now, how close we were for real to an actual overthrow of a democratic process in this country. Like for real, like that was a thing that people were talking like uh, uh, Steve Bannon was in the uh, the uh, the Willard, uh, a place I used to work. Uh, in a hotel room strategizing with, uh, you know, Giuliani and, and a bunch of other um, cuckoo lawyers about how they could overturn the results of the election and keep Trump in power for four more years. You know, that, that is, and we weren't, I mean, it seems silly because there's the, the QAnon shaman and, there, you know, there's kind of the, the, the ridiculous, goofy characters that have, have been apprehended and um, are like the subject of, of memes and public ridicule and stuff now. But like it, it was, I mean, and, and then there are the actual people who, who died that day. And, you know, we were really close to something really, really unthinkable. Ha- I mean, something unthinkable did happen, but something even more severe was we were inches away from, I mean, cosmically, we were, uh, I mean, there's, there's a parallel timeline where that whole day plays out much differently and much worse, as bad as that day was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it could have been way worse. And I think we had an inkling of that at yeah. the time. I mean, the yeah. fact that like one of these protesters, or, I'm sorry, not protesters, um, uh, uh, people who, who broke into the U.S. Capitol. Sure, criminals. Oh, right, sure, criminals, <laughs> assholes, whatever. Um, well, only one of these people uh, were killed while doing that uh, is is kind of amazing. And, and the fewer martyrs there were, the better. Uh, but what you mentioned about like, uh, you know, Bannon and the hotel room and all of that sort of stuff, the, the, as more of that paperwork stuff comes out and also as the public cares less, which is very fascinating to sort of see like the, the, the actual details of like, oh no, it wasn't just like you're saying, it wasn't just this like um, the, the, the front lines of stupid heading into the gates. It was behind it. There was, okay, they just have to delay, delay it for this long and then if that's successful, we can do these legal maneuvers and actually call into question things because of what the Constitution says about when this thing has to be ratified. So, so really, the show that we saw was the delay tactics for the actual um, uh, legal battle that, that never really got afoot. But the fact that that was happening from people, I wouldn't call them serious people, but I would call them seriously close to the... Um, uh, levers of power. Yeah. Right. The fact that 
those unserious people were that close to like the mechanisms of like, well, you know, if you, if you hit like, you know, A, B, A, B, A, B, X, Y, X, Y, up, up, down, down, start, select, start, select, <laughs> uh, left, right, uh, then it all blows up. Yeah. And, and the fact that they were sort of like figuring that out and got two thirds of the way there. Yeah, that's, that's terrifying for sure. It's terrifying. And it's also, I think, listening back on last year's episode, I think I had like a um, listening to it. I, I kept being like, um, uh, Mitch McConnell said the right thing, but was ultimately, you know, so spineless for, you know, not waiting until the last possible minute to do something. And, and um, you know, uh, and we talked a little bit about Mike Pence in the same way, but like, it is... Um, notable that if if that hadn't happened what if they had gone along with it you know i mean what not to not to um uh uh lionize those people because i i i couldn't uh detest them more but i mean it is sort of a there's a there's a version of telling that story where it is a success for the division of power um that democracy provides over the centralization of power that, you know, an authoritarian uh, situation would have, uh, would have provided given the, given the circumstances, you know, that, that there are independent actors who have real power, who are able to push levers to prevent something, you know, uh, unthinkable from happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, it's, and, and it's lurking right like that that possibility is certainly out there lurking as something that like you know was this an early um uh you know an early warning sign for the earthquake to come or was this uh sort of the the crest um you know and then there's also like you look at like the brooks brothers riot in 2000 with with the supreme court basically handing the presidency to to bush and like uh maybe we should reconsider how we think about that in the context of everything that followed um because Mm. that was not the main difference between that and this was social media cameras and the geography of it actually being at the u.s capitol which the, the symbolism was too much for the uh for us to bear as a society uh the other difference is that the Brooks Brothers riot worked. They stopped the recount <laughs> in Florida, and then the Supreme Court, in a five to four Republican appointed, Democrat appointed um, decision, gave the presidency to Bush. So, yeah. you know, how different is that than what they were trying to do uh, on January 6th? I don't have an answer. I'm just positing the question. Well, it definitely gives the um, it gives the appearance of civility and process to the 2000 election that it went through the court and there was testimony and then a decision was made. You know what I mean? It seems less like what happened in 2021 on January 6th was like an actual mob trying to overturn an election directly in person there, you know? Yeah. 
in 2000, it's, it, it, it is a little bit more, um, it's given the, the appearance, the mask of, of, of civility. And, you know, this is all part of our democratic process and democratic institutions, but you're absolutely right that like, was that, you know, besides from just being a partisan, right. That, that, you know, Mm -hmm. you and I are both Democrats and, or, or, you know, at least vote that way. Um, and, and, and liberal minded people, um, was that a democratic, uh, result in the end for that election, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't think it was, um, <laughs> no. Uh, all right. Well, that answers that question. Uh, but yeah, yeah. next, um, uh, do you, but do you think everything's still on fire? I am surprised listening back to where we were then, and maybe it's just my own personal, news consumption habits have changed or political news consumption habits have changed. Um, <laughs> that was, that was my soda stream. Oh, nice. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you yeah. gotta have, you gotta have the bubbles, man. You know, it keeps it we're, effervescent we're and light. So, we're so pro bubbles in this apartment. <laughs> <laughs> we're democrats we're liberal liberal leaning and we love bubbles uh bubbles i identify as a bubble enthusiast first <laughs> in this house we believe bubbles are the best <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> sorry about that no that's fine that's fine um i do think things feel less on fire and i i that might be a hot take i don't know but I, and I, which is not to say um, that things have, have improved. Um, I am very mad about certain things and very um, unsatisfied in a lot of ways with, uh, with the current political situation. And I want to talk to you and get into that. Um, but I do feel like the temperature has come down a little bit. And I think part of it is, like you said, it's these embers, right? That like just as quickly could go up in flames, right? Like it's not really gone. I know that it's sort of a trick. It's sort of a trick of the light. You know, it's like when you go camping and you fall asleep and you wake up in the morning and you go back to the fire and you, you like hold your hand over it and you're like, oh my God, it's warm, but it looks totally dead. You know, that is, I think, the situation that we're in right now. I'm not deluding myself out of this serious threat that I think that um, Republicans uh, and Donald Trump pose to American democracy. And um, but I got to say, I do think that taking him off of Twitter him losing the Oval Office, him seeing him less, um, the delegitimization of a lot of um, of his legacy in a lot of ways that I think happened as a result of January sixth. There's not a lot of people out there. Like I live in Virginia now, and the Republican candidate won. The Republican governor uh, candidate for governor won and did everything he could do to keep himself away from Donald Trump, 
And like, there is no, um, there are parts of the country where it's very popular to bring yourself closer to him. Um, but I do feel like there is a, a sense of um, distance between him and, and me <laughs> that I really like. So that's I, at least comfortable. It's I, at least a I little love bit more it. comfortable. I love it. It's great. I love that I don't have to hear from him every day. And I love it's it 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 has made my quality of life better. <laughs> um so I don't know. I I I I even feel I, I weirdly feel almost like a little guilty saying that that I feel like everything is not on fire. And I don't know, I mean, because it is on fire because coronavirus is still here. We haven't passed Build Back Better. We, uh, we, we've had a couple like disastrous uh, leadership moments, you know, whether it's Af- the Afghanistan withdrawal or um, uh, any number of other things. Um, I actually, I don't mind the Afghanistan withdrawal. I, I, will- I found that good. Um, I think it's good that we did it. I think that the images and the execution, the, the, the intelligence community failure of that is pretty um, concerning, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, add, add that to the list. Yeah. Uh, they, no you shit. Know. Yeah. Totally agree. <laughs> it, totally agree. The, I feel like the, uh, uh, the, it's so funny to see American exceptionalism like baked into all of the intelligence assessments that happen where it's like, well, you know, like the the overriding assumption is like, well, we are the greatest country in the world. So like, it'll take them like six months to get the capital because like we pissed all over them. (laughs) That, that being the assumption that goes into all of our intelligence assessments uh, uh, has really like, uh, proven us to be wrong time and time again. And it seems like more consistently as we get further from world war II, like every single year, we're a little bit further uh, from um, uh, having any kind of either. I mean, we've got whatever, I don't know. We don't have a lot of moral high ground, um, but the idea that the idea that we're, we're further from like how we see ourselves every year and that cognitive dissonance, I think, is um, uh, either felt by people in uh, intelligence and in government, um, and it causes them to be uh, delusional in their assessments of what we can do, uh, or it's replaced by a like very strange kind of cynicism. Um, so, you know, if that means that we've got leaders or pe- and people in the intelligence community that are either delusional or cynical, and there's not a lot of like reasonable ground in between the two, like, of course we're going to get fucking everything wrong. And the people who are right and cynical, I don't know. I don't know if I want them to be right. Yeah, yeah. So I totally I agree. I I I couldn't agree more. And I. Um, I feel that in reflecting on January 6th as well, because I think that there is a sense. One thing you said on that episode that really stuck out to me, is like, it feels like we're entering an era of consequences and that there was a little bit of justice done in terms of winning the Georgia Senate seats, 
uh, Republicans being uh, not in control of Congress and not in control of the White House. And I actually feel, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, I feel like there is a a sense of injustice right now. Um, and I don't know if that's, I mean, it's not, it's not only because of January 6th, but I, I think that within the ranks of Democrats, of people our age, of uh, like-minded folk, I think that there's a real sense of dissatisfaction and um, uh, a certain hopelessness or a certain anger or a certain um, uh, frustration with with uh with what's happening right right now and i do i've i've heard friends talk about you know well you know we didn't even we didn't arrest anybody on that day and you know i mean the facts are that we we've arrested more than 725 people but it doesn't it still doesn't change the fact that justice doesn't feel like it's been delivered um to some people And, and i think that's a really big problem for um for Democrats as we head into the midterms. And I don't know, what do you think about that? What do you think about, uh, you know, that use of phrase era of consequences? Do you think we're in an era of consequences? Do you, do you feel a sense of justice or a sense of injustice right now? I, I feel like that thinking, the, the idea that people were, were def- sort of, getting their just desserts or whatever for the failings of the last few years uh, may have been a bit optimistic. Um, And as far as like justice or injustice, when it comes to January 6th, um, it seems to me like most of the people who are being prosecuted are the rubes. Most of the people who have been arrested and and are be, will be serving real jail time and feeling real consequences are people who uh, got swept up and were in chat rooms and you know uh, uh, gave themselves away uh, on the altar of Donald Trump um, or on the altar of Q or whatever you want to call it. Um, it. It doesn't feel the qualter. Like the qualter. Yes, yeah. yes, the the quilt are quite, um, <laughs> the quilt are quite. Uh, it it doesn't it doesn't feel like to me that uh, any of the heavies have really had to feel real consequences. Um, aside from oh, I can't tweet anymore, but right, right, but like, and that's not to say I don't think that the people who were there should be shouldn't be getting prosecuted i think these people should be getting prosecuted and 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 that's that you know and they'll do their couple of years or a few years and hopefully not like too many of them will join white power cults in jail and then end up coming out and blowing up an office building in oklahoma you know, I don't know how that's going to turn out in a few years uh but yeah there needs to be consequences for them but it does seem like most of the people who are feeling those consequences uh, were sort of um, people who were swept up in the wave, not the people who were running the wave pool. And that's right. disconcerting. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, do you, I don't know, what does justice look like to you? Um, 
what would give you a sense of of satisfaction a sense of one of the things i've been thinking about this year um you know a year later from this is like it still feels like it's going on in a way and i think that's in part because the house committee is still um investigating you know we're we're still learning more um so the story doesn't feel like it's over in a lot of ways what does justice look like to you at the end of this whenever that comes whether that's the end of the committee or the end of the federal prosecutions sure. the fbi you know all that stuff well i'm not optimistic about it feeling like justice whenever the committee submits their several hundred page report that nobody reads uh <laughs> that, that I'm not feeling too good about, especially because, you know, TikTok when it comes to the Democrats controlling the House, um, which maybe we'll get to. Um, but uh, the idea of justice for that, to me, justice for that would be the left acting with urgency rather than like, you know, picking out people and giving them jail sentences and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, great, sure. But I think justice for that would be Democrats actually acting like the democracy is on the line. Because mm -hmm. what, what, what we got after, after that, like we talked about last year, that it was kind of a fucking miracle that, all, that, that the Democrats controlled the Senate even by yeah. a hair because yeah. of uh, Georgia. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that it's like, OK, so this was horrible, but it's made slightly less horrible because at the end of the day, Democrats have the Senate and have the House mm -hmm. and the presidency. So mm -hmm. there are real level uh, levers of power mm -hmm. that Democrats can have in order to actually affect change. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the part that I worry about is stuff stuff that I said in that last uh, excuse me in that last uh, podcast a year ago. Everyone, if you're listening, go check out that podcast. So we were talking a lot uh, about it, stuff that we're referencing I mean, now. Just go check a it out. Ton it's, of it's awards, you know. Oh it's really God. yeah yeah. It, it swept the potties. It was a royal <laughs> flush. <laughs> um, but but what I worry about is that. Uh, that action has not had anywhere close to an equal and opposite reaction. And I'm not yeah. talking about like uh, violence. I'm talking about no, no, in yeah. an actual actual change to laws that would make it so that kind of energy dissipates because people's lives are getting better because everyone can vote because uh, you know their people's basic needs are getting taken care of more. Yeah. And, and this window is slipping away. I mean, you know, I guess we're we're at halftime in the mm -hmm. 2021, uh, you know, 2021, 2022 Congress. Mm -hmm. um, but with election, an election year coming up and whatever, it feels like we're far past that. So, mm -hmm. you know, unless the Democrats really, really uh, have one hell of a halftime speech and, <laughs> and, and, you know, get, get, get whatever the famous coach is that's still alive in there and, and to give a rousing speech. Um, Tom and, Landry. Yeah. Get Tom Landry, get, get Tom Landry's hat in there <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and come out and completely change the strategy for the second half. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't seem likely, but. Well, I think that there's sort of a, 
I don't know. And, and, you know, a year from now, I don't know how much this will have actually resulted in anything, but I think there is a little bit of a pivot happening now to talking about the, the president last week, you know, saying that, uh, you know, Trump uh, was spinning a, a web of lies. And then uh, this week saying that, you know, he favors uh, filibuster reform in order to pass uh, voting rights, um, uh, like fi- uh, pro-democracy measures to to fix mm-hmm. some of the issues that we're seeing, you know, in Georgia and Texas and places where um, some really extreme um, voting laws are being passed to effectively be able to overturn elections, you know, where the state legislature could decide, eh, we don't like, we don't like the results of this one. So we're going to go with the other guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I so really, that could be but, a good pivot. It could be a good fight to have, like you said, like that, that, that could be the equal and opposite reaction, but I agree with you. I mean, our attention spans are so um, limited based on everything coronavirus every everything that's happening right now you know the climate um i don't know if it'll go anywhere but but maybe maybe that's something you know i I hope it is but i also and i'm sorry that i'm so um uh uh i'm I'm like the butt guy today where it's like every 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 bit of (laughs) mitch you've always been a butt guy though you know what can i say what can i say (laughs) Uh, um the uh the one the one thing about now I'm just thinking about butts, um, <laughs> which hey, great A, love them, love the butts, uh, all of them, every single butt. Um, the, so Biden, I saw a headline that drove me fucking crazy, um, uh-huh. where it was like you know the big takeaway of Biden's speech saying that he was going to support the filibuster. What was he said something like, "I'm sick of being quiet." Uh, dude you're the president yeah you're sick yeah, of being i know what? who told <laughs> I know. What? okay uh, well now that know. you're cranky uh, sure but like i'm sick of being quiet you're the if this was actually an emergency you've had a, you've been sitting on this for a year like who told you to be quiet and um and, and couple that with the fact that the john lewis voting rights act bill as good as it is, is not HR1. HR1, the the more extreme voting rights bill that was uh, under consideration for the first, you know, eight hours of this Congress before they figured out it would be impossible to pass, was, had, um, it had, among other things, automatic voter registration. Um, And, uh, and was pretty strong against campaign, uh, uh, you know, uh, had a lot of good campaign finance reform in it. Uh, and but i don't really see how money in politics has really been an issue do you oh sorry i, I misspoke no not at all no no, no. Money, <laughs> money in politics is is, is I, I think that's fine um, yeah i think i feel like all the concerns about that were really overblown yeah yeah i think yeah. so i think yeah. if, if anything it's only affected it uh positively <laughs> yes yeah uh, right <laughs> you know um it, it you know positive in the, just in the sense that it, it's a good thing when a covid test is positive <laughs> right yeah where yeah. this is about positivity man that's right very po- <laughs> positive episode yeah yeah uh mm. but the idea that like so we're finally talking about blowing up the filibuster in a small way um and it's for a bill that is not going to address the heart of the issue the, the john 
Lewis Voting Rights Act will do some things. It will do so it'll like sort of be a bare minimum patch on it. But that HR1 bill actually did address a lot of these issues in a comprehensive way. So the fact that it's like not even being considered that we're going to revive that bill and that's what we're going to do just speaks to the level of um, uh, either lack of willpower lack or lack of understanding of just how serious this problem is. Um, and there's a study that was done um, uh, recently uh, that said- About how weed fights COVID? Oh yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. That, that's the good By the stuff. way, that's breaking news as of the podcast tonight. And this is real. There's research, there's science about this, about you smoke a Dechiba, you, yeah. you don't get the COVID. You don't get, yeah. you smoke a Dechiba, you yeah. don't get a, the Weeza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're still workshopping it. It's brand new. We're workshopping it's brand it. Yeah, new. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the messaging people will have something real soon. They're a little bit busy. Clouds of smoke coming from their office. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. And after this podcast is done, I might go fight COVID. Yeah, uh, the new uh, booster shot is a doobie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. It's legal in New York, dude. <laughs> Uh, 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 anyway, we're serious people. Yeah, right, um, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it said something here. Here's the takeaway from this perspectives in politics, uh, a Princeton University study. The preferences of the average American appear to have only a minuscule, near zero, statistically non-significant impact upon public policy. Uh, and mm. there's a lot of stuff you can go further on. But basically what this study says is that you can take polls of everybody in 90, the 90% uh, lowest earners. So just exclude the top 10% of uh, money havers in the United States. And the polls don't matter at all. Zero effect, near zero effect, uh, negligible effect on public policy. And you see that kind of thing. And it's like, fucking, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. What are we doing? What are we? Well it's, so it's it's really I've been I haven't been sure what to title this episode. Um, the placeholder title was the second annual January sixth podcast of Palooza. Might might revisit that one. Um, that's might good be for a little SEO, flippant. I think I think that's great for SEO. <laughs> um, but let's the the title of the first episode was the opposite of indifference, and it was. Um, all based around how uh, there's an Eli Wiesel quote about how the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. I'm fairly sure that was Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke for all, all of our listeners uh, from, uh, who've, who've listened to both. Um, and the, uh, one of the things I guess I was reflecting on at the time that we were reflecting on at the time was this idea of indifference and um, how do you not feel indifferent and, and, uh, in the face of like all of this unimaginable darkness and, and, uh, and, and grief and death and, and, uh, rioting and, you know, all these things. I mean, do you, do you feel indifferent? Now, Hear, like hearing something like that, does it make you feel indifferent? Does it make you feel, how does it make you feel? I don't know, whatever. No. Um, <laughs> I don't it, really care. Yeah, you know, fine. Yeah. Um, I, 
it, it, I mean, angry. It makes me feel angry. Um, yeah. And I think there, there are things, I don't, I honestly don't know if there are things that we can do that, um, that make it a better situation. Um, I think there are things that we can do to make us feel not useless. I'm going to like mm-hmm. a, a protest tomorrow morning that's for uh, passing a, a putting something in the budget passing for the doobie passing the doobie yeah 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 <laughs> uh, well you know it's an eco protest so hopefully <laughs> yeah um instead of meet people um the, the it, it's a protest for uh passing something in the new york budget that for new york state would mean so it would be a complete pivot to uh green energy um mm, so mm-hmm. no uh no fossil fuels uh or coal or anything in new york uh in order to uh, you know, power the state. And, and that feels like something that would be meaningful. Um, mm-hmm. because as, as dark as things have gotten so far, we haven't really even talked about climate. Um, so, and like, let's not, uh, it's horrible. Um, so, but, but so doing a more localized action like that, I think can be helpful. Um, uh, uh, figuring out how to, do things on state levels, on city levels, town levels. And that's that's something that um, the Republicans, unfortunately, have beaten us to again, yeah. like with all this school board shit, which is um, mm-hmm. another disheartening thing. And it's like, uh, uh, how much money do you have to have? How much money are we going to have to have in order for, if we were to have kids, how much money would we have to have in order to get them a decent, like, education in the country and also like a um a well-rounded upbringing uh and also like a choice to go to college but if all of these public school systems end up breaking down and uh letting parents control the curriculum and whatever then like i don't that's just a body blow i don't know i don't know um so anyway Local action, I think, actually can have an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so focusing a little bit more on that um, and uh, sort of accepting, in a way, the helplessness I feel towards impacting national politics right now. Um, and it's it's hard, too, because it's like, my my material situation is almost exactly the same as it was when we did this last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I probably have a little bit less money. Um, but you got I'm that fourteen hundred dollar check though that yeah, you yeah. predicted. That's true. That's true. I knew he, that guy fucking owes us six hundred dollars. If you I see Joe it. Manchin, you're going to be like, you fucking dick. If I see Joe Manchin, I'm going to thank him for letting me onto his yacht. Uh, <laughs> Filibustin. Uh, oh, God. Oh, what a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> but, but now there's, there's articles, too, about how, like, even if they were to get Manchin on the filibuster, like, eh, there's a lot of other moderate Democrats who maybe don't want to destroy the filibuster, which is, I think, equally predictable. Um, but, but so... So sort of accepting, ex- accepting that we are not the main characters <laughs> when it comes oh, to yeah. uh, national politics is, is I think, uh, healthy. And I don't really see 
I don't see a way around knowing how to like navigate the world sanely right now. And I don't, I don't think I can navigate the world sanely and think that I personally can make that much of a difference. Um, I don't think those things are congruous, like just based on the, you know, election results and results of the policy over the last year, like election results, really great. Uh, results of the policy, not so good. Um, so, so it's like, okay, now what? Okay, I live in this state. I'll see if I can help this state do something. And hopefully that leads to other states. And there's kind of a domino effect and, and you know, uh, also, I can try to live my life in a way that is uh, uh, good and projects, you know, positivity, unlike what I'm saying here. <laughs> and, 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 and that, you know, action can butterfly effect, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, sure. But I don't know, man. Uh, shit is fucked. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a brief break on that note, and uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we're back. Um, <laughs> so, um, shit is fucked. I so I have I I, I had a question for you um, that I've been thinking about that I would love to hear your response on. What was Biden elected to do, and is he doing it? Joe Biden was elected to eat ice cream publicly every day. <laughs> every and he day. has disappointed us every day. Massively. Massively. <laughs> I would say, I would say he's maybe eaten ice cream once publicly. Um, no, I th so that's a good question. What was Biden elected to do? Um, and I think he probably was elected to sort of stop the madness. Right. Um, now, that's not why I voted for him. Sure. Uh, I, I voted yeah. for him because I had a Trump shaped gun to my head. Um, but no, I I think he was he was he was and then he fired to, Trump bullets and the Trump bullets had a Trump head on them. And if you got shot by them, you would turn into Trump. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's how you end up storming the Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> um, all those guys got hit. Um, oh, I see, I see. I, no, so I think he was elected to stop the madness, Biden. Um, but in the process of getting elected, he did make a lot of promises to the left um, in order to, because I think the madness is twofold, right? The madness was just acutely, uh, uh, everyone was exhausted with Trump. It's just as a country, we couldn't do another four years of that. It, it was just people needed to talk about something else, um, and and that he was elected to stop, and that he stopped. Um, and a lot of people in the country, I think, want him to stop there and just sort of like, great. So you did that. You melt into the background. You keep the status quo, and and we just let this thing run out basically um but the other kind of madness that i think he was elected to stop whether or not he wanted to be this guy or not was like 
this country's like slide into being untenable. The the massive, massive disparity in uh, in wealth, in opportunity, in um, uh, what is what are people's uh, backstops for how bad things can get very quickly if you miss like two paychecks. the healthcare disaster that was and is COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And just the idea that like, we can't, can't just keep screaming and throwing money at politics and then ignoring it. Right. Like we can't, we can't keep doing it um, because it just, it gets people really active and they get disengaged and then- yep feel as though they've been lied to and then the people who are more cynical uh get to do whatever they want and then yep. you know or a democrat gets elected is very idealistic and runs into a bunch of okay runs into a bunch of like um red tape and is like oh there's red tape ah shit okay well mm-hmm. what can we do outside this red tape that mm-hmm. that seems to be uh how clinton to a large extent, Obama and mm-hmm. Biden so far have run things of saying like, we want to do all this stuff. We think it's going to be really great. We need to help people who haven't been helped before. And then there's some red tape they run into and they say, okay, well, we're going to do what we can. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very reasonable way to govern if the other party was reasonable. Uh, unfortunately, right. uh, the other party is um, is is wearing Trump hats and running through windows at the Capitol. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, yes. Where you're not dealing with uh, you're not dealing with rational voters. But aside from that, which is eh, that that really does like not give people the not assume agency for people. Let's say everyone's just doing what they want to do. But like you've got on the elected side, on the powerful side. You've got people who straight up don't give a shit about the rules because they're saying, well, yes. I'm in charge. I fucking make the rules. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. It's going to get tested in the courts. Let it get tested in the fucking courts. Who cares? I'm yeah. signing this, uh, you know, and, and a little bit of that from Biden, I think uh, was and is necessary. Uh, the idea that like, and I hate, I hate using this because it's such an absolutely disgusting thing that he did, but uh you remember all the protests with Trump's uh, Muslim ban at the beginning mm-hmm. of his mm-hmm. of his uh, term? It was fucking disgusting, horrible. I was out in the street. Uh, I yep. think you were too. Uh, mm-hmm. And and it was disgusting. But he just did it and said, "Okay, if they're going to stop me, let the courts fucking stop me." Mm-hmm. And he did that in mm-hmm. the most like heinous, horrible direction you could possibly go. Um, right. Biden hasn't even canceled a dollar in student debt. Yeah. So like the, it's asymmetrical warfare again and again and again and again and again. Right. And right. I think there, so there's two different things that Biden was elected to do. He was elected to appear reasonable mm-hmm. and he was elected to actually solve a couple of long lasting soci- societal problems. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he has appeared reasonable but largely at the cost of tr- of doing anything particularly bold to solve these long-lasting problems. Uh, the mm-hmm. exception, which we've already talked about, is leaving Afghanistan and it being uh, ugly and imperfect, but done. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I give them credit for that. And for that first, uh, that first package that they mm-hmm. of uh, relief that they passed, I think that's that was good. And the infrastructure bill is also good. There's there's a lot of good stuff in there. Can you remind me, like what? Yeah, sure. I, I actually have. <laughs> I wrote it down because I was like, I don't want to forget this. Um, it is one hundred and ten billion dollars for repairing roads and bridges. Sixty six billion dollars for upgrading and maintaining rail. Sixty five billion for updating the power grid, power lines, and cables. Sixty five billion for expanding broadband in rural and underserved communities. Fifty five billion for water pipes. Forty seven billion for climate change and cybersecurity. Thirty nine billion for upgrading public transit. Twenty five billion for upgrading airports. Twenty one billion for cleaning up abandoned mined oil old oil and gas wells that that sounds like a good one I'm that's, glad a, good, that's got, a good one i'm yeah. glad we got that in there uh 17 billion for import, improving port infrastructure 11 billion for improving highway safety 8 billion for water treatment for drought areas in the west 7.5 billion for electric vehicle charging stations and 7.5 billion for electric school buses cool okay yeah, yeah. so so some of that some of that stuff is good um I, I, I hate to put this spin on it, but it does sound like spin it up. It, baby. It, it basically sounds like it's a landlord bringing his building up to code and being like, <laughs> give me a medal. <laughs> like it's like, Oh, the bare minimum of governance. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like a, an inspector came by and was like, all right, well, if you don't do this stuff, we're definitely going to have to shut it down. <laughs> yeah. it's like, how much yeah. is this going to cost? I don't know. A trillion dollars. He's like, fine, one trillion dollars. Yeah. I'll, I'll pay for this. Um, <laughs> but I want to see the receipt. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're slow this the fuck down because we've got some cash flow problems. Um, but, but so so yeah, so good, great. But it does feel like the bare minimum, and this is why the progressives in Congress were like, we can't decouple these bills. And now here we are. And um, now here we are. Yeah, where with this build back better bill is not going to pass. Uh, yeah. You know, hopefully a couple elements of it do, um, mm-hmm. but uh, that even that sounds more optimistic than I actually feel. Um, so, so I don't know. You know, uh, it is really nice not to have to think about or hear Donald Trump every day. That's that's fucking great. Um, but. It doesn't seem like our elected guys are taking this nearly seriously enough. Especially, and, you know, I've been thinking too about, I mean, just the the way the system is structured is so that things move slowly, which is designed so that people can then see what government is doing and then provide feedback on that, Right. It's all done in an effort to be transparent and, and open to the people and stuff. However, when there's like really serious, when there's a sense of urgency among Americans, among voters, among people of all different demographics and groups, uh, that, that uh, things are really bad right now and people are really hurting, that um, slow moving system feels very callous um it feels very unresponsive it doesn't feel very um empathetic to their needs uh regardless of the representatives who are there so you know you could have uh you know uh someone who's representing you who's saying all the right things but 
if they say all the right things and then nothing happens, it's like, well, you know, what's the point? Yeah. There's a huge dissonance between uh, what's being said and what's being done. Uh, Democrats are still using the language of urgency and are then not acting on it. And at a certain point, like, this is the most important election of our lives. Right. Is it? Because yeah. at a certain yeah. point, I've heard that in every fucking election. And yeah. like, okay, so I'm electing you. And then you're just going to go through regular procedure for the next two to yeah. four years? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, <laughs> I thought this was the most important election of my fucking life. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that the parliamentarian says you can't couple this or that. And right. you're not even going to go about the procedure of firing that person and seeing what the next planet, you know, uh, what the next planetarium has to say. My God, <laughs> I listened to your episode about the, about the, the sky. Planetariums oh, are great. Yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I wish I had had an astronomy teacher like that in college. I She's shout out to Dr. Melissa Hayes Gerke. She is the best. It was she was. I mean, what a dream come true to to speak to her again. And I'm glad you listened to it. I'm glad you enjoyed the episode. Yeah, yeah it was great. Um, the, but we're not we're not doing anything that's urgent. I, I have like I have like ten more things to say about that, but I'm trying desperately to stay on topic for some reason. No, I don't no, know. no, get them all out there. Um, the well. No, she she was great and she was so engaging and wonderful. And I had a, a an astronomy professor because I I also had to take a couple like non uh, uh, mm-hmm. writing and theater credits. And mm-hmm. he was like clearly brilliant because he spent most of his time at like the Antarctic uh, uh, telescope. Uh huh. So, wow, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, but he was teaching this like astronomy 101 course. And it's, I think he put more thought into tying his shoes in the morning than he did teaching this class. He was there a third of the lectures because he was oh, always man. down in fucking Antarctica. Um, wow. And uh, there, I don't even think there were, there were study groups in that class. It was, or like, you know, uh, sections or whatever. It was just, this guy would do it. And then we would have a test at some point. And it was like, ah, it was, yeah. the guy was very clearly smart and the, and the stuff was interesting, but like, my God, was there just absolutely no engagement. <laughs> so, and, and I went into that class being like, well, all of the other elected, you know, like elected classes I've had to take are bullshit, but this one's going to be great. <laughs> and like, after like two days, I was like, all right, um, I, uh, I'm going to come to this class sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a sometimes class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so props, props to your astronomy teacher, uh, your professor. Her. Yeah, um, <laughs> she'll, I'm sure she'll love being included in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, uh, Democrats have become the party of speaking in urgency and acting like there's not. And Republicans have become the party of speaking like there's no urgency and things are normal and then enacting the most batshit policy crazy. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. where, where, and not that they're saying things are normal. You know, they're talking about critical race theory and all that shit. Uh, but all they're saying is they're saying, hey, put us in. We'll bring it back to the good days. We'll bring it back to what mm-hmm. you remember. 
and it's a soothing message and, and people mm-hmm. say, okay, great. Yes. Uh, all of this newness scares me. I want things to go back to the way it is. And mm-hmm. then they get in there and they make things unimaginably terrible mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and just, steal and then the democrats voters. have to come on come in and clean it up <laughs> right and the democrats come in and clean it up but they don't do nearly enough because the the republicans their messaging is like we're only going to do this much and yeah. then they do a ton whereas the democrats it feels like their messaging is we're going to do a ton yeah and they get in there and they can only do this much yeah and so republicans end up in this weird position of in a way under-promising and over-delivering to their uh, base, whereas Democrats are consistently over-promising and under-delivering de- uh, to their base. And the, the balance is just totally shot. I, I don't, here's a question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that we're gonna still have only two parties in 10 years? That's a good question. I. I think so, um, because they're so entrenched and it's so hard for, it, it will be so hard for a third party of, you know, whether that's a, a far left or a far right or a center right or a center left or what, however it, whatever form it would take, it would be so hard for it to um, be able to function in the same way that the Democratic and Republican parties are able to, right? They have access to all the, um, what do they call it? The voter um, uh, voter rolls uh, that gives them the ability to canvas that tells you you're voting. Like there's all this like behind the scenes machinery that that are, are the reasons why people put a D or an R by their name because then they have access to tools that they wouldn't have if they were running as an independent or whatever. Um, I think that it's possible, you know, they were talking about, uh, this was one of the things, I guess, post January 6th, or maybe it was before that, or I can't remember like the Patriot party and, and Trump, you know, splitting off from the Republican party or whatever. I guess that's possible. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Is there are, are 10 years from now, do we have two political parties? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think so. Cause I agree. I agree with all your points of just how, how insanely entrenched they are. And the last few years does show you how quickly one of those parties can change without actually changing its name. Like the Republican party is, uh, uh, at least the, the head of it is so radically different the tail of it is the same, but the the head of the Republican Party is so radically different in the language that it's using and, and what it's promising and all this sort of stuff uh, than it was five to ten years ago. It just adapt is it has adapted to uh, their base in a mm-hmm. way that the Democrats haven't. Like um, the the I got so angry about the uh, mayor of Buffalo who this, um, a democratic socialist won the primary and then the democratic party, like the head of it, uh, joined with the Republicans in order to, uh, uh, elect the incumbent over her. So, so even though the base of the democratic party in Buffalo elected a democratic socialist, uh, people were so scared of that, that they ended up 
partnering with Republicans in order to put a moderate back in. And that's the kind of shit that's going to lose the base. Whereas, you know, you look at some of the insane people in Congress on the Republican side right. and like they did literally nothing to stop them from coming into Congress. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's curtailing to their. They're given their, committee appointments. They're, yeah, you yeah. know, put into positions of power. Yeah. So, yeah. So Jim Jordan, let's put him on the 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 in, investigative committee for January 6th. Get that guy on the ticket. Get him on the <laughs> ticket. Uh, so. So, yeah. So I don't have I don't have a lot of faith in like the direction of the two parties. Uh, but I do think like. Uh, short short of something unforeseeable right now, which I mean, we've got no shortage of those things in the last few years, but like short of something unforeseeable, I don't see how it actually breaks off in a way that is like, would give any kind of power sharing to a third party. Do you think Trump will run in 2024? Yeah. I mean, I, I, right. If the election were next year. Yeah. I mean, uh, I hope he just keeps eating that McDonald's and we see what happens. Um, but I don't even, nobody think... sent him a salad. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> it, it depends what his finances are looking like. If he's still in debt and needs to raise a bunch of money, yeah. then he'll run. Yeah. Uh, but if he's figured out a new income stream that, uh, involves his fledgling, uh, new social media or whatever the media <laughs> fucking thing he's trying to do right now. True um, social. Yeah. If that's going great, he won't run. I, I run think by it, run by Devin Nunes. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. That's gonna be good. That's gonna be it. It's gonna go he'll, great. He'll run. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think he will. And if he doesn't DeSantis will. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the brand of the Republican Party, I don't think is going to be able to change before 2024. It's going to be Trump yeah. or Trump light or, or it's going to be someone like him in 2024, I think, um, if not him. What do you think happens in the midterms this year? Mm. Um, allow me to uh, get a stiff drink. <laughs> um, the i think should i should i like insert like taps like yeah 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 <laughs> or, or even like a i <laughs> know uh, we get our I'll, I'll, go, I'll go do the soda stream again um, there you go. <laughs> uh, that wasn't me by the way using it i've got more respect for the listener than that um but uh i i yeah i think democrats get their clocks cleaned I, I think yeah. it it's a bloodbath. Real Hugo um, situation. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, just going to yeah. be hanging off that minute hand, waiting <laughs> for, uh, you know, it to get down to six. So you have to fall because it's all the way down <laughs> on the clock. I, you know, I probably could have edited out the Hugo thing earlier, but now I've brought it up again. So oh, that's uh, a shame. I guess it's it has ter- to stay in. Terrible riff. It's in now. <laughs> it's in. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you think it's it's uh no chance for the senate no chance for the house i'm not gonna say no chance i'm the yeah no chance um i i think there's almost no chance i think if if this build back better thing totally dies which all indicators are that it will um 
and the best that the administration can do about solving healthcare stuff right now is to eventually send people a couple free tests and have an insurance reimbursement program for home tests (laughs) that is uh, literally going to be showing up three years late. Um, Yeah, I think we're fucked. (laughs) 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 Also, uh, no, um, no money into the pockets of anybody as far as voters go. Um, and even the child, ta- the child tax credit, which was great expiring, is just an absolute epic cell phone. Um, so I, I see the prospects of Democrats in the next uh, election as uh, almost non-existent um, on a national level. Uh, but fuck, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a guy, man. <laughs> what do you think? Um, I think the House is probably. I mean, we already have such a narrow majority there, and uh, there are a lot of districts being redrawn. And I think the House is probably, um, probably gone. Probably, the Senate is a little bit more uh competitive um you know we could flip pennsylvania uh we could flip wisconsin yeah Um, i am surprised ron johnson is running again yeah yeah which is uh not good for us because he's um he's a crazy person but good for us in the sense that he's a crazy person so if you get someone who seems up seems you know a little bit more competent and a little less uh, scary to, you know, suburban voters or whatever, maybe, maybe that's flippable. Um, so I guess, I guess I feel um, like there's a chance there, but I do, I do, I feel, um, you know, one of the Georgia seats is up um, and, you know, the whole voting law that's been passed down there, I think could, have a, an impact on on the election and um i won't say it looks good you know i think there's a chance but i don't think it looks good so you're saying there's a chance <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the senate looks a little bit better than the house but uh that's like uh you know uh would you rather bathe in piss or shit <laughs> Piss, obviously. Everyone would rather bathe in piss. It's way better than shit. Shit is gross. But I don't want to bathe in piss. No, no. I don't want to bathe in piss either. Yeah. Um, really scatological stuff on this episode. Um, uh... <laughs> well, I'm, dude, I'm writing a sketch right now that is just basically a long shit joke just because i can't i can't do anything like anything with any more meaning right now i'm like i'm completely <laughs> tapped out of like trying to uh uh inspire change with content like i just did a very like uh, meaningful play any bit of political satire that i've done has gone absolutely nowhere when it comes to changing anybody's goddamn mind so i'm writing a sketch that i'm really I really like so far, and it's just a giant shit joke. Well, you're you're. Uh, can you tell the audience about um, uh, what is the name of the 2016 um, 
medication sketch. Yeah, yeah. protest a vote. Which protest was, a vote, yes. It was just about the uh, idea. A, a prescient sketch. Yeah, it was 2016, yeah. and it was just this uh, this story about um, it was it was a like a, a pharma ad about for a protest a vote. So if you're if you're feeling like you don't have a voice, if you're feeling this or that, you can you can use protest a vote, and you'll feel a lot better about yourself. You'll feel a great sense of moral superiority, and then <laughs> all of the side effects were what would happen if Trump won. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's. I, I wouldn't say it's funny anymore. <laughs> I don't it's like, just sort of uh, oddly uh, true. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 It's like, yes, that is what happened. Go yeah, on. Yeah. What is yeah. your point, sir? <laughs> Maybe we can uh, play the audio from that at the end of this episode. Um, yeah, that's your department. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, that's the technical <laughs> stuff. I just I come here, I clean the toilets. I see some people have been bathing in piss, some people have been bathing in shit. <laughs> clean it up. Don't say nothing to nobody and get out. You know, it's good. <laughs> nice nine to five. Don't have to think about it when it's done. I just, you know, the it's the smell is a problem. But <laughs> but my wife, she still loves me. She yeah. still loves me. It's what she tells me when we go to our separate bedrooms. <laughs> um, I guess last question, God, which could be a bit of a downer. So maybe we need a another last question after that. But it's been all rainbows so far. I know, right? Um, was this was January sixth a pivot point in American politics? Yeah. Uh, I think so. Maybe not in the direction that we want, um, but I think it was it was consequences made manifest and and being felt by the people who uh, sort of have allowed all the at that ah, fuck. Um, yeah, it's a pivot point, and it's a pivot point because. Uh, people in power actually felt what it felt like when when so many uh, of their constituents and countrymen have been lied to and brainwashed. And uh, so there was real fear amongst very powerful people and real uh, consequences felt by the people who did it too. A lot of those mm-hmm. people are now in jail uh, where they should be. Um, and um, and it also let some people feel for a while what the the consequences are uh, when there actually is someone who doesn't give a shit about anything with the biggest microphone on the planet. Um, right. And and it was a little a little shot of that, right? So I think that um, that I mean that has to be some sort of pivot point. I I don't know if it's marking the uh, beginning of a descent into just more regular low-scale violence and um, uh, a resignation to the idea that like, oh yeah, well, in order to keep our base active, like uh, there's gonna be like 1% who don't accept the programming and explode and they're gonna do it in public, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and if that's going to be the case, then this it was just a really bad sign of things to come. Um, yeah. 
it's a little too early to tell if it's going in the other direction because like we've talked about like none of the policy prescriptions after that have shown any real sense of uh urgency so so it's really hard it's really hard to i'm hoping that it's too early to tell i would i because if it's too early to tell that means it's going to go in a better way of that being like a nader of a low point um mm-hmm. uh because right now all signs point to it just sort of being like uh the point on the exponential graph that things start going really fucking fast. Um, and hopefully that's not the case. I don't yeah. know. What do you think? I, I worry about how vulnerable and fragile it made like democracy look in our country. Um, I mean, something we didn't really talk about in the last episode, but is still very present in my mind. Like you and I grew up in the DC area and just outside of the city, we have walked around the Capitol and, you know, we used to joke about how, you know, you walk around there at night or whatever. And it's like, oh, well, there's, you know, definitely like snipers on the top of the roof that are like, watching us right now and there are and there probably were that day right but um but there was always a feeling that if something like that happened like what happened on that day that the metal like the 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 metal doors would close on on the on the windows and the bars would and like close on you know like there was this like sense that there was this um that it was like this fortress you know, and I, um, I still get very mad when I look back on like images of that day and how like, la la la, like carefree, a lot of those like people were and not, which is not to, um, uh, like sugarcoat what happened that day and make them all clowns and buffoons. Cause that like kind of undercuts the seriousness of what could have happened that day. Um, but um, I do worry, especially like since then, like I think that there's been like sort of a, a sense of, you know, that we've talked about on this episode, like a frustration with, with Democrats and like uh, being rudderless and, you know, which way are we going and what are we doing and how are we helping people and stuff that like sort of in a weird way kind of ties back to that day psychologically like this trauma happened and like we're still kind of like living through that trauma of like feeling like the barbarians are at the gates they're in the killers in the house and who's who's here to protect us sort of thing um that is all very gloomy and we definitely should have ended with what you said. I am really hopeful and, and uh, it's a new year. So like, let's start with hope, you know? Um, I'm really hopeful that I'm wrong. And I am really hopeful that, um, you know, progress is not linear and we have made it out of the Trump administration. And, and that was a really, really dark time. And as bad as they, things feel right now, I, I do feel like they're better, even though they're still bad. Um, we have vaccines, we have boosters, you know, we have, you know, um, things have happened, things, things have improved, you know, we have 
uh, Pete Buttigieg in in the Department of Transportation. We've got you know um, you know a whole new set of leaders in in the House, and um, I think that <laughs> that's not the first example I would use. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's but it, gosh, it's better than uh, than Elaine uh, Elaine Chow uh, who was yeah, there I think yeah, before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, sorry. I don't sorry. know. No, I just I, I feel I feel um, I feel really concerned when I look back on that day. You know, that's very valid. Um, it was a very concerning day. Uh, but to to tie that back to something we were talking about earlier, if you don't mind, uh, what you're talking about with like the capital, uh, like closing itself off. And like I felt that way too, for sure. Where it's just like, um, yeah, we like we can walk around here, um, right? But like if yeah. we tried anything, not not only would we be dead, but this place would turn into a, a James Bond style yeah. fort. You know, the turrets come out of the ground. Yeah, and the, right. You know, whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and that attitude might just be the same kind of like American exceptionalism that we thought would like it's a allow point. us to leave Afghanistan in a way where it's like, well, they said they wouldn't take it over in the next few months. Like, yeah, it's a right. very good point. And like, it's a very good point. Yeah. So the idea that like, and, and that our democracy is safe because we're America and we're the, you know, the oldest democracy on the planet and, and, and all of that. And, I think we have to remove this idea. Now, I'm not saying that we're not a, a great place. In many ways, we are. In many ways, we're not. If you look at the statistics of like, you know, um, uh, 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 how, what is it called when a baby, like a baby is, uh, how, how uh, frequently a baby dies in childbirth? Oh, infant mortality? You look at infant mortality rates, yeah. you look at level of education, look at yeah. all of these things. And yeah. we're not leading the pack in any of this stuff. Uh, so you, I think looking at this with a clear eye and saying, okay, let's address this problem. Let's address that problem. Let's address this problem. Because, okay, this is the oldest democracy on earth. That means we're going to have to bring a lot more up to code than the fucking infrastructure. <laughs> so... so Keeping, keeping that in mind as we're going through all of these, you know, calculations and looking at whatever legislation needs to be the most important at the time, it's like, yes, let's all understand that it's not politically tenable to say anywhere else is the best country on earth. That's fine. But let's look at this with some clear eyes and figure out how we can get this old rotting house in order because- right. That's what happens with old houses. They fucking fall apart and you've got to yeah. be really proactive about fixing them. So yeah. like January 6th, yeah, the roof caved in a little bit. Okay, so let's fix that. And while we're at it, let's take a look at the rest of the fucking bones of this place. Yep. There's going to be some structural beams that need to be replaced. Yep. Uh, and it's in all of our interests to do that, regardless of party, right? Like I know there's a lot of people in the Republican Party who would say otherwise right now, but there, but it is in there. And I mean, they don't want a a mob of Antifa, BLM, you know, breaking in the doors on uh, January sixth, twenty twenty five. You know, like um, it is in all of our interests that it's preserved. And yeah, yeah. For sure. And next time we'll talk about climate. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> just like a real news show, we don't have enough time to talk about climate change uh, today, folks. So, so uh, it, didn't, it didn't make the rundown. Oh, no. Yeah, oh. Didn't make the rundown oh, this time. Um, oh, Greta, but, we're sorry. <laughs> but there's always time next time to talk about climate. There's always time to fix the climate. That's right. Um, uh, by the way, how did you enjoy your 70 degree December uh, this year? Was it was it good? It was a lot better than my 15 degree yesterday. <laughs> um, so I don't know what the fuck is going on. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it was it was really wonderful. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> we've got a, a East River Park in New York uh, that is uh, closed now. They're closing it and and like sort of destroying it, cutting down all of these trees because they need to use it in order to. Um, they need to raise the ground in order to protect against like the next, uh, you know, bad hurricane that's like definitely going to hit, but it's going to take them five years. And uh, a lot of the park is getting cut up and is going to be owned by private corporations yeah. when it's done. So it's really just like, it's a huge, wonderful, beautiful microcosm of, of how we're actually going to uh, address this, which is just going to be more private ownership, uh, actions that are too slow. And um, uh, uh, that's about it. If you really want to like continue to sink into the um, like, uh, uh, the lows of despair there's a great um website from NOAA, the national oceanic and air administration i believe is what it stands for um noaa.gov and it's like a um uh a sea level rise uh tool with a sliding scale so it starts at zero and then goes so like you could project what the impact would be of uh sea level rise in your neighborhood oh hell yeah i love video games yeah and literally the first um notch one foot it goes foot by foot the first knot like my neighborhood is underwater oh yeah you're (laughs) right on the water yeah Yeah. can you can you adjust it by how many degrees like we're going to increase like can you say like okay we increase one degree we increase two degrees oh that'll be fun yeah Yeah, i'll definitely i'll definitely mess with that yeah when you're when you're up at four o'clock in the morning tonight you know um doom scrolling through twitter you know give that a try and you know that'll um that'll pair nicely with that. I like that you can choose how many feet it goes up because it gives you a nice sense of control that I lack (laughs) normally in my life. And that's very good. (laughs) Um, Well, Mitch Lerner, this has been an absolute pleasure. It is so nice to see your face. You're one of my oldest and dearest friends. And uh, I, I oddly feel actually more optimistic having talked to you today about where we were and where we've been and where we're going. Um, uh, is there anything you'd like to plug or uh, uh, say before we before we sign off today? Uh, not really. I've got a link tree uh, that's just, you know, like a uh, link tree, Mitch Lerner, and it's got like, uh, you know, whatever stand up and theater I'm doing at the time. Uh, and I'm at Mitch W. Lerner on a instagram and uh twitter but who knows for how much longer and um uh no dude frank thank you uh for this this is great it's it's always the best to talk to you whether or not there's a uh uh recording of it or not yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
but uh, but yeah, man, I love you. Thank you very much for having me on. And uh, and yeah, you are also one of my oldest and dearest friends. Um, I guess that's how friendship works. And boy, I guess I, so. I'm so glad that it does. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, man, thanks. Uh, let's let's do it again if the world's still spinning. <laughs> yeah, a year from now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.